welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Hello, how are you going? Can I have this a little bit forward so I can get closer to you? We like to talk as girls, don't we? I like to see your faces as I'm talking to you. So thank you, Pastor Kath, for having me here tonight and for inviting me. So I met these guys at um, As I State Conference, and it was great to hear about your church. I've heard so much about your church and great things about your church. So I'm very, very excited to be here tonight. So thank you for having me. And now I hear Pastor Jane Evans is speaking at your conference. So Pastor Jane Evans is my pastor. I love her. She's my mentor. If you haven't registered, let me tell you, register. She is great. You're going to love her if you haven't heard her speak before. She is powerful. She's a great female preacher. She's prophetic. Um, So if I can give you a plug, I'm almost jealous that you've got her. Um, Come along. She is awesome. So please do. So I'm going to talk to you tonight about your something. That is the title of my message tonight. What is your something? But before I go into that, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. So my name is Karen I. Um, I've been a pastor on staff at Paradise Community Church for about five years now. Um, But before that, I've got a background in community development and also a master's in emergency management. That's kind of my background. So um, when the floods happened in Queensland in January this year, you probably all remember that, um, I was asked by our movement to go up and coordinate all of the flood relief work up there. So I've been doing that for about um, the last eight months. So as a movement, we raised about a million dollars and uh, we finished rebuilding 20 houses, which is which is really, really exciting. So I've been up there doing that. And uh, you know what? There's been some really just amazing stories of people that we've met and just really sad situations. You know, one lady we're working with up there there. Um, her and her husband 35 years ago built their house right above the 74 flood line. So it was very, very safe right up this hill. So when the floods happened in January, they knew they were fine. Their house was really up high. What happened is a shipping container lodged downstream under a bridge and backed up the river and it completely rushed up the hill and flooded their house over their roof. They lost everything. Um, the next week she was at a doctor's appointment and got diagnosed with brain cancer. So they weren't able to get insurance, uh, couldn't rebuild. They're an elderly couple. I've got a picture of her that will show you up here. It's not too good a picture. Unfortunately, the projector's not great. Can't really see her, but she's a great lady. When I first met her, she was sitting out here under a car park with all this rubbish behind her that I thought, oh, in my head, we'll have to clear that away. I only realised later that that rubbish was actually the only possession she'd managed to salvage from her house, covered in mud, filthy, dirty. She'd kind of lost everything. So she's one of the ladies that we're completely, we've rebuilt a house for nothing, no cost to her whatsoever. So that's been really exciting. So there's about 20 families that we've rebuilt and some people with really, really sad situations. We've got um, a single mum with two autistic teenage boys. Once again, no insurance. We're rebooting a house as well. We've got um, another family we found living in a shipping container. The mum's got MS, two young kids, so we're rebuilding their house as well. We've got a lady with a son in a wheelchair that um, couldn't return home. They had to put him in hospital because until the house was fixed, he couldn't get home. Uh, another guy out in the Lockyer Valley, um, his wife left him after the floods happened because of the stress on the family and he attempted suicide and he's had three heart attacks because of the stress and there's just story after story after story of people up there. So it's really been an amazing few months uh, kind of coordinating out all this work for our churches. And um, I think 
what's been interesting is, you know, over the last few months, we obviously had January and we had, you know, the floods in Queensland, which we then had a cyclone in Tully in northern Queensland, which you probably remember, and then a cyclone, and then, of course, the Christchurch earthquake in New Zealand, and then a triple disaster in Japan. So my kind of role went from working at Paradise and doing this stuff on the side to now working full-time with ACC International Relief as their disaster relief coordinator. So it's been a bit of a, a switch. Um, I guess my role with them is, is twofold. It's first of all responding to disasters as they happen, so going out and coordinating all the relief work and going out and doing needs assessments and, and you know, kind of coordinating all that relief work. And, and the other thing that I do is um, try and get our churches prepared to respond when a disaster happens. What we realised is from the Queensland floods, you know, 75% of the state of Queensland was declared a disaster zone, which is, you know, as the state of Queensland is huge, so 75% of the state, which meant that our churches were either in the middle of it and personally affected or they're wanting to respond to what they were seeing happen in their communities. So that's what we're doing now is working with our churches and trying to get them prepared to know how to respond and, and, and what to do. You know, we had um, churches that were evacuation centres and churches that were providing food hampers and emergency accommodation. So it's really about trying to help our churches really be the hands and the feet in times of crisis and doing it well and doing it professionally, which is really great. So um, after Queensland, of course, Japan was the next big disaster they went over and, and worked on in Japan. I think we've got some photos as well of, of Japan I'll throw up. They're not too good. But um, I was over in Japan not too long after it had happened. And Japan is unbelievable. We're talking about 400 kilometres of coastline completely destroyed. So we're talking about here to the Flinders Ranges, wiped out completely destroyed like it's 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 unbelievable so it's going to be such a long process with the reboot and we've got teams going up every week still into the north of Japan we're helping with the cleanup and providing hot meals as there's still such a need we're working in evacuation centers still um, but the really sad thing was with Japan is that in the whole area that was destroyed there are only three churches that were destroyed and that's because there are only three churches in the whole area which is unbelievable. And so Japan is a really unreached people group. There's only about 1% of the population that's actually Christian. So it's been an amazing opportunity for the church to really just stand up and do stuff in their community. And the testimonies we're hearing back now is the locals are saying... Um, you know what? It's the Christians that are the ones that are coming back. It's the Christians that are here every week. And what's amazing about Japan is that these people haven't even heard of the name of Jesus. Like, it's not like, you know, a lot of countries, yeah, 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 we know who he is, but we're choosing not to want to follow that. But what's amazing about Japan is they haven't even heard of a Jesus. What's a Jesus? Who's a Jesus? Where's a... So that's the kind of group that, that we're talking about. So our opportunity to minister as a church has just been amazing over there. So... So I have quite an unusual job in the body of Christ, as you can imagine. I'm a very odd mix of um, pastor, but also now obviously disaster relief worker. So that's kind of what I wanted to um, talk to you about tonight, is, is our place in the, in the body of the Christ. So my message tonight is, what's your something? You know, I've kind of worked out my something, but what's your something tonight? That's what I really, really want to talk about. You know, I've been working uh, in church as a pastor for about five years and I've been in leadership a long time before that and I find this is the number one question that I get asked from people. Why am I here? 
What should I do? What am I called to do? What, what am I here on earth to do? You know, what uni degree should I study? What job should I go and work at? Where should I live? What should, what should I do? It seems to be the number one thing that I find most people want to talk to me about when we catch up. You know, I love the scripture, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Who's got their Bibles tonight? If you've got your Bible, can you get it out? I love the Bible. Please get it out if you've got it. Please bring it if you don't normally. I love my Bible. Jeremiah 29, 11. We've got it on the screen as well for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. That's encouraging, isn't it? He knows the plans. He's got plans for us. You know, he sometimes knows that that's great, God, but can you just let me in on the picture? Can you just, can you just kind of fill me in on what those plans are? You know, I found, um, I wasn't saved until I was 27 years old, so I've lived a lot of time outside of church and God's will for my life. So um, I kind of know that with or without God, there's this innate thing in us that kind of says, what's my purpose? No matter whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, people know that there's a reason that they're here on earth. They need something bigger than themselves. It is just this innate thing that's in us. And what's exciting is that being Christians, we're kind of one step ahead of people in a way because we know the who who has the answers, which is, which is really exciting. The other good thing is that scripture tells us that our plans that he has for us are good. They're good plans. I often laugh at people that, that are often um, scared to ask God what he's got for them. They're often a bit scared because they're terrified that God's going to say in a booming voice, go to Africa and live in a mud hut for the next 60 years and never get married and never have children. And, you know, they're terrified God's going to tell them that. But what's, but what's true is that God's got good plans for you, got plans to prosper you. God's not going to send you to a mud hut in the middle of Africa if that's going to make you miserable for the next 60 years. Like God's got good plans for you. So we don't need to be scared in asking him in case once if he tells me not to do this or tells me not to do that and I really want to do it and we don't need to be scared about asking God what his plans are for us. We can ask boldly because they're good plans. You know, the other thing that Jeremiah tells us is the plans are complete. They're done. They're, they're written. That's what's exciting. You know, my job isn't to create my own plans or to make up my own plans. And that's what I've got to put all my energy into doing. You know, my job is to only find the one whose plans are already there for me. I just need to seek him. That's all that I need to do in the bargain. I've kind of got the easy job. The plans are done. They're written. All that I need to do is actually just seek him out and just find out what his plans are for me. You know, one of the reasons I think sometimes we miss what God's plan for us to do is that we compare ourselves to other people. And I think as women, we're particularly bad at doing this. We compare ourselves to people all the time. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 22. I think we've got a slide of that as well, if we could chuck that up. This is, I love this scripture. 12.22, it says to us, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. I, I love this. You know what? There isn't a scale, people, in life <laughs> that says this is the job that we all want. This is the most important job. And here's our order of ranking. It goes one to 10 like this. It, it doesn't work like that. The person that cooked and made the coffee and the cakes and everything out there tonight is no more or less important than the person that speaks on the platform up here. There, there isn't a scale. There isn't a, isn't a ranking. Every Everyone has a part in the body and everyone has something to do and every single part and every job in that body is just as important as the other ones. 
You know, a few years ago, I uh, used to work for the Salvation Army many years ago. I actually used to work out north in the Elizabeth area. And um, I used to work with homeless, teenage, pregnant young mums. So we're girls with pretty full-on circumstances and had pretty pretty hard lives. And um, after working with them for a while, I had a question that I always liked to ask them. And I'd sit them down and I'd say, you know what? If I had a magic wand, if I had a blank sheet of paper, if you could do anything anything at all. There are no barriers, no reasons why you can't, no money constraints. If you could do anything, what would you do? And I used to love asking these girls this question because you know what? No one had ever asked them to dream before. No one had ever said to them, think big. No one had ever said, imagine there's no limitations. What would you do? And tonight, you know what? I want to ask you the same question tonight. If you could do anything if you had that magic wand, if you had that one genie wish, if you didn't have to worry about money or constraints or time or there were no fears, you know, what, what would you do? What would be that thing that you would write on that blank piece of paper if you could do anything in the world? And that's such an exciting question. And what, it, what really excites me, there's so many young women here tonight, and I want to encourage you, anything, if anything was possible for you, what would you do? What decisions would you make? So tonight, kind of as you ponder that, I've just kind of got six quick thoughts that I want to throw at you, talking about our something, because that's what I want to talk to you tonight about, that something that God's got for you. And I think there's a few things that we can do and that I've asked myself, you know, over the years, how to find my something, because I know I was someone that for many, many years was trying to find a something. And the first thing I like to look at is, what do you have a passion for? What makes you light up? What's your spark? You know, that passion is usually God-given. Usually it's him that's given it to you. You know, I've seen, you've seen friends, I'm sure, you know, you're chatting about this, chatting about that, and then you suddenly hit a topic and they just come alive. They just, they just flick to life. You know, now that spark is often where God's called them to be. You know, for example, with me in my job, it's often in the natural very depressing. You know, I go into disaster zones and I'm working in very sad situations. People have lost everything and, you know, people have died. And in the natural, it's a very, very sad situation. But what's interesting is, you know, someone said to my husband once, I was working in Samoa after their tsunami a couple of years ago, and someone said to him, oh, how's she going? Oh, I bet it's awful and you know, she doesn't like it over there and it's, you know, really difficult. And, and he said, well, actually, I think she's the only person in Samoa smiling at the moment. And I wasn't smiling because I was happy that that had happened to them, but because I was living out my destiny, I was doing my something. I was exactly where God had called me to be and was doing exactly what God called me to do. I'm never happier, as odd as that sounds, when I've got my gum boots on and my overalls and my hair up and I'm, you know, just in the mess. You know, I'm, I'm never happier because I'm, I'm actually where I'm called to be. So what gives you that spark? That's the question I want to ask you tonight. What kind of makes you kind of, and you know what it's like when you talk to people, don't you? They kind of light up. They kind of, you know, what is that for you? What's your spark? What are you good at? And often, once again, as women, we're not good at admitting what we're good at. But what are you good at? What natural gifts and abilities has God given you? And, and don't play down our gifts. So often we go, oh, well, it's just that. It's, it's just that's, uh, I'm not, it's only that. It's only that that I'm good at. I had a, a friend of mine, um, a girl from our church that was good at cooking, who 
for a few years, poo-hooed that. Well, I'm just a cook. I'm just, I just cook. Like, like that wasn't anything great. Trust me, I think it is great. Um, but what she, what she did, and she's an amazing woman, she decided, you know what? I actually can make cupcakes. So she was really good at making cupcakes. So this young girl decided, you know what? I'm going to start something called Cupcakes for Compassion. So what she did is she just put out this little flyer to her family and friends and said, will you just buy half a dozen cupcakes from me? And so like girls at church and friends and work colleagues and family, and we all just bought half a dozen cupcakes and who's going to complain because they're great cupcakes. So she just sold cupcakes and made them all. And you know what? She raised enough money to buy a well for a whole village in Rwanda. And we've got some photos of her tonight up here. Like, it's unbelievable. This young girl made enough money, as you can see in front of the water tanks, for an entire village in Rwanda is now changed because she worked out her something. She didn't just think, I'm just a cook, I just make cupcakes. But you know what? what? That's a something that I do. That's the something that I do well. And I'm going to turn that into something to help other people. So a whole village now in Rwanda has clean water because a girl decided to make some cupcakes. What's your something? What is your something? What do you have in your hand? What's that natural trait and ability that to you mightn't seem like much, but it's God-given? And also look at the character traits that you maybe think aren't so good. And this is an interesting one, you know, because these are God-given too. You know, growing up, um, I was never a quiet person. I was never the wallflower. Um, I was never, um, you know, the kind of person that was just quietly spoken and... <laughs> You know, I was always um, the loud person and I was always, not the bossy one, but I was always very directive and I was always the one that was, you know, kind of out there. And so for so many years, I actually really struggled with that because I thought I needed to be quieter. And I'd look at my beautiful Christian friends that were these lovely, beautiful, quiet girls and I would think, I need to be more like them. God, help me be more like them. You know, I used to kind of think that those things in me were a bad thing that, you know, I needed to kind of just chill myself out a bit, you know, but... It took me many years, but I've kind of realized now that I'm doing what I do, God actually gave me those character traits to do the work that I do now. I can't do what I do if I didn't have those character traits. You know, I couldn't be dropped into a middle of a disaster zone, have a whole team of people there looking to me for leadership and for me to go, look, I really don't know what to do today. You can just kind of, um, I don't know, just kind of go out and see how you go. Like, I couldn't do that. Like, I'd be hopeless at my job and I couldn't be helping the people that I help if that was the way I was. So I can see now the fact that I can speak loudly, I can be directive, I don't have a problem telling guys what to do on my team. The fact that that's who I am has enabled me to do what God's called me to do. But it took me many, many years to realise that I didn't need to be ashamed of those natural characters the traits that were in me, but they were God-given so I could do the work that he'd called me to do. So what are some of your character traits that maybe you think, oh, you know, maybe that's not so good? You know, perhaps they're God-given. You know, certainly there's things that we need to work on, but perhaps they are God-given. Um, you know, I also look at my... Um, my mum-in-law, Joy, you know, I look at her, I think there is a woman who is so quietly spoken. She's so gentle. She's so tolerant. She's so loving. She's so patient. She loves children. You know, she's a school teacher. And I look at her and I think, you know what? She's doing what God's called her to do. Her personality just fits perfectly what God's called her to do. You know, I could never do her job in a million years, never. And I'm sure she probably wouldn't want to do what I do. But once again, God's designed her. God's given her specific character traits that just means she can do the job that God 
God's got her to do on earth. So what are those character traits that you've got? Another question to ask yourself is, what irritates you? What irritates you? And a really good example of this is, is my husband, Steve. He's funny. We'll be in church worshipping. And, and we'll be in church worshipping and we'll be at the front. You know, we're just worshipping and we're lost in the presence of God. And he'll just, I hear him and he'll say, do you hear that? And I'm thinking, is it Jesus? Is it the angels? What's he hearing? Do you hear that? And I'm like, no, what? Hear what? Sound levels. Do you hear that? Do you hear that mix? It's all wrong. The upper's this and the lower's that. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm just lost in the presence of God. And do you hear that? But it irritates him. He can't sit in a meeting and not hear the sound levels because you know what? God's gifted him in the area of music and the area of sound. But it irritates. I don't hear it. No one. I'm looking around. No one's hearing it. No one can hear what that man is talking about. But he hears it. He hears it. So what irritates you? What's that thing that you seem to be so griped about, but no one else seems to care about? No one else seems to care. You know, is the fact that there's no childcare centre down the road, does that annoy you? Is it the fact that on a Sunday morning, you're not happy with the welcomers at the door and the welcomers should be more smiling and the welcomers should be doing this? Well, you know what? If that's irritating you, maybe you're called to lead the welcoming team on a Sunday morning. You know, what is it that irritates you? Ask yourself that question because often that's Somewhere where God puts us because he's kind of trying to show us something there. Remember that finding your calling is a process. I didn't just land this job happily one morning and here I am now fulfilling the will of God in my life. La la la. It doesn't work that way. It's a long journey and a process. It took me almost 34 years to get where I am doing what I'm doing. You know, I had to do a uni degree. I then had to get saved. Helpful. Um, I had to find <laughs> the right church. I had to, you know, I had to meet the right people. I had to do certain studies the right job at the right time, the right place, the right people. There was a huge process that happened before I can finally stand here and go, I think I found it. I think I've got it. I think I'm actually doing what God's called me to do. It's a process. And let me tell you, there are so many times I could have jumped off this horse and gone, forget it. This is too hard. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I look at people like Joseph and Esther, people in the Bible that had a destiny and had something on their lives. And, and often, so many times, you know, stuff will come up that could have derailed them and, and, and things that could have... You know, look at Joseph. You know, he was a leader and knew he was a leader long before he ever saw it in the natural. You know, he was given that vision. You know, and often we have little things in our heart that we think, yeah, you know what, I reckon one day, if I even dare dream it, I might be doing that with my life. You know, when I ask you that question about if you could do anything with a blank you know some of you probably had a little thing in you that went you know what I reckon I'd probably do this but you don't even want to speak it out you don't even want to utter it out but you know what store those things in your heart you know Joseph had those dreams he kind of knew what he thought God was calling him to do but there's so many times in life where and Joseph is the same that we could have just thrown in the towel we could have just gone you know what this is too hard I don't want to do this anymore and 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 give up and that's what i want to encourage you tonight don't don't do that you know we don't need to give up we've got to push through that you know 
don't settle for less and don't give up easily because you know what? That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. The last thing in the world the enemy wants is for you to be living the destiny that God's called you to do. We're a dangerous force and we're actually doing the will of God on a right smack bang in the middle of where he wants us. We're a dangerous, dangerous force. The last thing he wants us to do is be living that and be outworking that. You know, it's an endurance race. It's not a sprint. You're not going to reach year 12, do three years of uni and bang, it's going to fall in your lap like that. You know, it's an endurance race. These things take a long time. It's not a sprint. You know, diamonds, beautiful diamonds, are nothing but you know, dirty coal that is just pressed over time to become that beautiful rock. You know, it's under that pressure that, that diamond is created. You know, are you willing to undergo that pressure? Are you willing to undergo sometimes those times when we just feel crushed and pressed? And, you know, are you willing to do that to become that diamond? So many times when it gets difficult, we just want to jump off. We just go, no, this isn't for me. I don't want to do it. This can't be God's will. It's so hard. But think of that diamond. When it gets that pressure on you, just think of it and go, you know what? I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to stick it out because I want to be that diamond. You know, I think the enemy often has more of an idea of our future and our destiny than we do. You know, do you ever wonder in life why on earth something's happened to you? Like, why has this happened to me? Like, I'm no one, I'm not doing anything of significance. Why? Why has this awful thing happened in my life? You know, when I think sometimes the enemy actually knows our destiny and knows what's coming up for us and actually puts things in place to try and abort that, abort that in our lives. And I think so many times we, we let that happen or we misread why things have actually happened in our lives. But I want to tell you that don't, don't let that happen. Don't let those dreams be aborted early. Don't let him, let those circumstances in your life change you and take you off that track. You know, once again, Joseph is a great example of this. Here's someone that had a dream, had this vision of what God was going to call him to do. And, you know, he was beaten, he was put in prison and he was jailed and he was all this stuff just happened that could have at any point just derailed him. But he didn't let it. He didn't let that happen in his life. The other thing is, it's not a secret, you know what? God's plan for your life, it's not some big secret that God's trying to hide from you. You know, more than anything, he wants you to know. He wants you to be living out that calling. He wants you to be alive and fully awake and doing exactly what you're here on earth to do. He wants that for you. You know, I truly believe that if every single one of us here in this room tonight, if every single one of us and every single woman in Adelaide did nothing but find that one thing that God has called us to do and we did it, we would eternally change the face of our planet forever by doing nothing but doing the one thing that God has called us to do. And so often in life we get so sidetracked with work and jobs and family and you know, that we kind of go, what is the thing that God has called you to do? What is your something that he has got you to do? Like Esther, you are called for such a time as this. God has you here on planet Earth, in this church, in this state, for such a time as this. This isn't a mistake that you are here for such a time as this. He wants you to be his hands and his feet. That's why we're here on this earth, to be his hands and to be his feet. And you know what? He wants to turn our practical into something spiritual and something eternal. You know, sometimes we get so consumed with what we don't have and what we're not that we miss who we are and what we have and whose we are. You know, tonight I want to encourage you. God has a purpose for every single one of your lives. 
every single one there is a plan written down and mapped out for you and all you need to do tonight is seek him for that plan and let me tell you when you walk in that plan and you finally get it you will never be happier and more fulfilled and you are just living life the way exactly God planned you to do it we need every one of us to step up and be that change you know we have such a world in need at the moment you know we see the disasters and there's a famine in East Africa at the moment and there is just so much need in the world but you know what we can't address that unless us as women step up and become that change and walk into what God's called us to do so tonight my last question what is your something What is your something that God's got you to do here on earth? You know, we need you to find that something, to get passionate about it, as that's the only way we're going to change our world. So tonight before you go home, I want you to find a friend here and I want you to tell them, even if you just might want to whisper it, what your something is. Just whisper it. You know what? Because sometimes it's a faith thing. Sometimes it's a trust thing. Sometimes it's embarrassing to, to speak it out for the first time. I sound proud if I say that. I sound like I might be blowing my own trumpet if I think that. What is she going to think if I tell her that's what I think I'm called to do? But you know what? I want you to find one person tonight that you trust, and I want you to tell them what you think your something is. And you know what? If you don't know what your something is, I want you to find that same friend, and I want you to ask them what you think they think your something might be because often our friends can see things in us that we can't see in ourselves and things that we just think are well I just bake cakes that's nothing interesting is it but you know our friends can see that in us and go no no you know what that's actually a something that's actually a something that you've got in your life so will you do that for me before you go home will you will you find that friend and will you will you do that so I want to encourage you like you women are a powerful force in this world I really believe that as a bunch of women across this state we rise up and we realize what our somethings are and why God's got us here and we do something we are really going to make a difference in our world so thank you for letting me come tonight and have the opportunity to share with you it's been great to meet you and I'll hand over to you guys now so thank you This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.